politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew as if this is 1776, except it's a hundred times worse. And that's why we're here to clean up the mess, give a vision, and talk about what matters. Daniel Horowitz back here today, Thursday, the 23rd of March. And it's amazing how we went through two catalyzing events, March 16th, 2020, January 6th, 2021, where the government criminalized our life, liberty, property, our political beliefs. Those were the dates that it should have become clear to everyone that our own government is engaging in unrestricted warfare against all of us. Yesterday, we talked about the bioterrorism more from you know, embodied in March 16th, COVID fascism. Today, we're going to talk about, with a very special guest, uh, one of the most notorious January 6th um, defendants, the other issue. And, and here we are more than two years into this, and there still is no policy vision. What are you going to do when a government will entrap you cause violence, have the police literally just mow people down, then throw people into a gulag, beat them, violate every legal norm in every step of the trial process, and they're going to hunt you down. We can't live free. You know, again, as we talk about this whole thing, it's funny how... um, it's Thursday already, and Trump hasn't been arrested. And as we predicted, it, nothing's going to happen this week, if at all. But something already did happen. People's lives have been destroyed, hundreds of them. And now they're arresting 1,200 others. So we could sit and debate you know, Trump's latest lunatic uh, statement or this and that. But what is his vision? What's anyone's vision? Anyone running for president, any governor, any senator, any congressman? What are we going to do about this? It's still a problem. You have uh, this case in one of the Proud Boys cases. There's a motion that was filed on behalf of one of the defendants, the lawyer, that they're alleging DOJ recorded, or the FBI recorded the conversations of the defense legal team. This is the type of stuff they're doing. They're fanned out throughout the country. By the way, Capitol Hill Police, too, operating illegally outside their jurisdiction, just monitoring, surveilling people, people that clearly never did anything. Believe me, I mean, anyone who did any anything was roped in a long time ago. Now they're roping in another 1,200 people. What are we going to do about this? This is a very, very grave, grave issue, um, and... You know, I, I, I'm just not seeing a vision. I'm not seeing a vision. This is why I can't get excited by conventional politics because we're not living in a conventional time. So we need an answer more than I'll nominate my guy for the GOP nomination for president. We need a much broader vision. And that's what I'm trying to work on. But there's one man who consistently gets in the way of that by destroying our message, endorsing rhinos, and doing the opposite of what he says. But before that, our sponsor today, again, I mean, 
Part of the part of the issue is that we have, we have a government that's willing to poison us. So what do you do when you have a government Chinese monopoly on our pork production, where they did to food what they did to healthcare, and there's now a monopoly? Well, we still have one American uh, farming company that produces the best grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb, pasture pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught salmon right to your door. Moink Box. Uh, they've been around for f- five generations in Missouri, and you basically could sign up again, moinkbox.com slash conservative. Sign up for your assortment of your monthly box from ribeyes to chicken breast to pork chops, salmon fillets. You could cancel any time, so it's not a full-year commitment. And when you sign up at moinkbox.com slash conservative, our listeners get free filet mignon for a year along with the delicious monthly assortments of the best-tasting meats. No antibiotics, no hormones, no mRNA, no shots and garbage injected into it. Um, Protein, animal protein is the best thing for you, but it's got to be clear of garbage. You could rely on Moink Box. If you get oinked with Moink, like so many people in our audience, moinkbox.com slash conservative. That's moinkbox.com slash conservative. So I just wanted to note just one thing. Um, you know, you're starting to see a coalition of MSNBC, the media, and rhinos come out and dump on DeSantis and side with Trump. It's just very interesting. They will tell you who they're afraid of. And I think I think it's pretty obvious who they're afraid of and why they're afraid of that individual. Um, because... The bottom line is we have a lot of clanking of pots. It's like when Moses came down and Joshua said, I hear the sound of war in the camp, you know, after they uh, served the golden calf. And Moses said, I don't hear a sound of victors or those being defeated. I just hear sounds, noise. It's hard to translate from the old Hebrew. There's a lot of different translations of it. But just, just noise. We don't have any direction. It's just where we're satiated on noise. And this is how you have a situation where you have earth-shattering events that destroy human life, liberty, and property, and we go on and on and on. And we all kind of say the same thing, but the policy doesn't change. I mean, keep in mind as you head into a presidential election, it's no different from what I've been experiencing in primaries, governors, congressmen, legislators, uh, senators, same thing. Broadly speaking, on 70 to 80% of the issues, even the pure establishment guys will echo our broad sentiments and grievances. Okay, we don't like the ESG and the wokeness and the yada yada. But who has demonstrated that they're going to get the right personnel in place, be a laser beam focused on the policies, message it right, and see it through? This is the thing. Anyone could run and take the top 10 talking points from conservative talk radio and embrace them. There's nothing new about that. In fact, our our whole lives we've been experiencing this. What are we going to do about it? And I really do have to plug, really do have to plug, our teams have done an amazing job If you want to be part of one of our state legislative strike force teams, go to conaction.network. And we're not just going to focus on 
state legislatures, when they get out of session, we're going to focus on pressuring the governors, the attorneys general, certain primaries, um, being a voice. We now have a Louisiana team leader. So that's another team we added. This is what's going to matter. Because if we can't do it, where 70% of the voters agree with our broad talking points, although most of them seem clueless about the specific policies and politics, you sure as heck are not going to do it in Washington. And you sure as heck not going to do it in the blue states. I will admit, the problems we face are so grave, even what I'm trying to do, I still have a nagging feeling it's, it's too little too late. But we got to try. Meaning, I can't be a reverse thumb sucker, if you know what I mean. You know, a thumb sucker is a guy that just sits there, doesn't want to get his hands dirty. No, no, that's not going to succeed. That's not, you know, all those people, whenever we try to fight in primaries or, you know, the speakers fight, all those people that dumped on us, if you remember, during the McCarthy fight. But I could, I could be the other way around, too. Nothing's good enough. Nothing's good enough. You know, nobody's good enough. Everyone's a fraud. Everything is a fraud. Every policy is not good enough. So then there's nothing. We got to do what we can do. And, you know, the reality is, the reality is that we need people who are willing to have long-term strategic goals and see them through. We can't afford this. And remember, when we talk about January 6th, it has nothing to do with the event, events at the Capitol that day. It's a matter of if you do not support the regime, you are not part of the spirit of the age. It's not just the regime. It's not, it has nothing to do with Biden. It's the spirit of the age, the idols. It's complete unrestricted warfare. We're seeing that with this guy George Kelly, the border rancher in Arizona. You have a bunch of cartel guys come on his property trafficking and he's charged with murder one when one of them is found dead under suspicious circumstances and they're literally eating out of the hands of the cartel to prosecute an American. It's go going to manifest, we saw with the pro-life protests, it's going to manifest with the racial stuff. We already have that. I mean, it's not, it's going to happen. We already have it. It's just going to get worse that if you have any individual happens to be white, we're going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow's show, but anyone who happens to be white and they come up against someone who happens to be black or, or again, you know, whatever is on their, you know, disgusting racial pyramid of um, disgusting is we don't have equality under the law anymore. You're going to have a big problem. We need big answers for these big problems. So, I want to get to – I don't want to go on anymore even though I have so much to talk about in the news. We're really going to dive into what happened that day seen through the eyes of you know one of the defendants who really has possibly the rest of his life on the line to spend in prison. But first, uh, the interview today is sponsored by our friends at Liberty Estate Plans run by Andre Ong, an ordained minister, financial planner, and our very own Missouri Liberty Strike Force team. Um, Liberty Estate Plans make it possible to create ironclad moats around your estate um, to save you from probate and other government collections. 
Uh, it's not so simple passing on inheritance. So the time to plan is before you die, especially with died suddenly. You never know when that's going to happen. Um, you go to libertyestateplans.com, schedule your free consultation. It doesn't cost you anything. You might already have a good plan, but you want to see if you can do better. They'll do it for free. Tell them Daniel sent you, and you'll get 20% off. Um, and also, you could schmooze with him on on politics, especially if you live in Missouri. Uh, make sure you join his team, if, even if you don't want to use him for his financial services. But there's a lot of uh, uncertainty now with financial planning. He has he covered at libertyestateplans.com. So, friends, when you think of January 6th, an interesting analogy that pops into my mind is Benghazi, almost an inverse situation where the media and the government, they're able to use cameras and imagery and false information. Remember, they gave us the impression Benghazi was a protest that somehow just got out of hand when, in fact, it was a it was a planned terror attack, nothing to do with, you know, a. Uh, a spontaneous uh, protest that kind of got out of hand, which is a little bit what happened in Cairo that same day. So when you look at January 6th, it's really the opposite. They used imagery and false information to claim that somehow a bunch of people just got together and they're like, hey, we're going to go to the Capitol, somehow, you know, kill all the members of Congress, sack the government, and uh, with no real weapons, take over everything, and it was a planned insurrection, and we need to treat it as such. But in reality, it was a regular protest that got out of hand in some spheres, but for a very specific reason that has more to do with the government and the Capitol Police than anyone who actually did anything. And I want to give you that picture through the eyes of one of the, the, the most famous defendants, Richard Barnett, he's uh, lovingly called Big O, Big Old Patriot by his friends. Uh, he's from Arkansas. He's a retired firefighter, fun sort of guy. Um, just so you know, no criminal record. And any any judge, jury looking at him, they know that. They, they know he's not a threat. Um, he held uh, a bunch of back-the-blue events, ironically helping raise money for body cameras for, for police. I mean, this is the type of guy he was. Yet he was convicted on every single charge against him. A number of felonies never broke anything, never harmed anyone, never committed violence. Um, at worst, kind of goofed around a little bit. In May 3rd sentencing, he could be facing 10 years in prison. This is unparalleled. I don't even think in Singapore they would do something like that. This is unparalleled, and I think all of you need to hear the truth of what actually did transpire through the eyes of this man. Big O, I can't believe it's been this long, it's taken this long, but I'm so honored to bring you here to Blaze Media today. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a surreal journey, I can tell you that. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, so let's let's start with, you know, I want to work backwards again. We probably have to do multiple parts, the gulag, the trial, the jury, the suppressed evidence, um, the violation of legal norms and due process, the even even, you know, we talked about today a little earlier about they're, they're spying on defense. But we're going to focus on the day itself so people get a sense of what it was. But I first want to start backwards. 
Could you just describe what you're facing now? Because what the serious charges you're facing is not because you put your desk on your feet on Pelosi's desk. What are the serious charges that you are convicted of by this jury? And and you know, unless it's appealed, you're facing sentencing May third. Sure, uh, and I'm I'm only going to cover this briefly because a lot of the charges even go deeply. You wrote an article about my civil disorder charge, which is a charge that the court that I was in actually is very proud and has big uh, uh, posters in the courthouse of uh, Abby Hoffman who uh, they helped repeal this charge against him. It's such a ridiculous charge, but that charge is civil disorder. I was also charged with obstructing an official proceeding, aiding and abetting, uh, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon, entering and removing... Oh, this is a great one. Entering and remaining in certain rooms of the Capitol building. Um, I didn't know that charge existed. Uh, and just to correct you really quick, I'm actually facing, if they found me guilty of everything, it's four felonies and four, uh, four misdemeanors. And if they actually gave me, they did find me guilty. If they, if they gave me the full time for all of them, uh, concurrently, it would be 20 years. If they did it consecutively, it would be 47 years. Uh, regardless of what they do, uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, I'm 62 years old now. I'm about to turn 63. Whatever they they decide, they're probably giving me a license. Wow. Okay. So a light, you know, it would be the rest of your life. And again, no criminal record. So with that, let's zoom back to understand what you did, but not just you through the eyes of your story, really what most people experienced that day. So I'm assuming um, you had no qualms of, or, or you had no inkling that you were going to D.C. from Arkansas that day to somehow overthrow the government, and you were going to, like, parade Trump through the street on a, on a throne, and, uh, you know, our military and police would just stand down, and, you know, we'd live ha- happily ever after. Yeah, you know, it's so bizarre to me. I think most people, and I think this happens in any situation, they look at a demographic as if everybody there was the same, knew each other, had some big plan and all that. It was just basically like any other protest where you want to go and use your First Amendment rights. People came from all over the country. We didn't know each other. We never met each other. We all went there uh, to, to actually... Uh, voice our grievance, which is absolutely a constitutional right. And I don't mind telling you now, as much as I think Trump did a great job when he was in office and all that, I'm not even what you would technically call a Trumper. I'm just a constitutionalist. I love my constitution. I love rule of law. Yeah, you you were uh, you were upset by what was going on. You also were interested. You never went to Washington D.C., so you almost wanted to kind of tour it. Uh, so you went yeah. went went with a couple people, and. Um, just real briefly, yes, my, yeah. Sure, it was my bucket list. Uh, the guys wanted to go and hear Trump speak. They are just, they're, they're, they're you know, they, they were really, really excited about it. A couple of my friends are the Marines. And we went, and I, we actually went early because I told them, I said, look, I don't mind making the trip with you. Uh, I basically didn't really have the funds to go, so I covered the funds. Uh, they were part of my group that had been helping me do Back the Blue rallies here and raising money for body cams for small-town police officers. And uh, so I said, sure, we'll go, but one thing I do want to go, and I don't mind admitting this because it's the truth, and everybody should believe in the same way I believe. 
for a whole year, I've been watching Antifa and BLM burn our cities down and drag people out of the cars and hurt them and everything else. And so I wanted, since they were Marines and I'm, you know, old country boy, I wanted to go up there and patrol and help people back and forth to their hotel rooms and make sure LV people didn't get hurt and all that. And so we went early and that's what we did the night of the fifth. And then of course we got up and, and walked to the, uh, to the, uh, rally, by the way, having no idea, and I'll mention this now, uh, on Twitter, I'm at big old Barnett. And today I posted up pictures of the rally guys and maps. So people can see that all this stuff out there talking about the capital and all this, it was permitted to be on Capitol grounds, but I'll get to that when I tell you my yeah, story so, about Yeah, so that's that important to, to note. It yeah. wasn't a yeah. sneak attack. There were six or so yeah. permitted uh, locations. They it was all, all it was all legal. Um, everyone who went thought they were going to a protest of like-minded people. They were having a good time. I do want to get to that in a moment. I do have a sponsor that we um, – a very new, exciting sponsor, actually. But first, also um, – Give, Send, Go, uh, Big O does have at Richard Barnett, uh, givesendgo.com slash Richard Barnett. Look it up um, to help with his legal bills. But, folks, first off, I'm really excited. Today we have a new sponsor. As you well know, I love guns. You love guns. We go on our trips together with Patriot Academy to learn how to properly uh, defend yourself and hone in on your marksmanship but I will tell you, there's one thing I hate about guns. Everyone in my family knows this, and uh, you know I can't stand kids screaming, and I hate loud noise. And guns are very loud, and you know the more you want to train, the more dangerous it is if you don't have proper ear protection. I believe my dad, he's uh, he's about 72 now, and his hearing's pretty bad. We all believe it was, you know, one time he went shooting and he didn't properly cover his ears. A lot of people don't realize that most states, silencers, suppressors are actually legal. Um, you know, look this up, but it, with the exception of California, Illinois, and a couple northeastern states, you could own a suppressor, and it really makes the experience a lot more enjoyable. Again, I hate, hate loud noises. Uh, Liberty Suppressors is our new partner here. They specialize in creating state-of-the-art durable sound suppressor silencers that are affordable and lightweight. That's key. They offer excellent customer service. They're committed to helping their customers every step of the way. All their products are made right here in America and are designed to last, so you really get very good quality out of it. Um, remember, it's important to protect your ears. The more you practice, the more you have to worry about it by choosing Liberty Suppressors. And that is not those who suppress our liberty. It's uh, enhancing your liberty, but suppressing the noise. Gun owners can protect their hearing and enjoy firearms with confidence. Visit LibertySuppressors.com. That's LibertySuppressors.com. All righty, so back to Big O here. Um, so when you heard Trump's speech and, uh, you know, you heard it on the loudspeakers. Why did you go to the Capitol? It, it was just like, you know, you just wanted to join the protest? Sure. Can I actually back up a little bit earlier than that? Sure. Because uh, I want people to know this. And when we arrived for his speech, and, and several other speeches, of course, uh, it was packed that day. It, it was just unbelievable. It was a very festive atmosphere. People were smiling, high-fiving, singing a national anthem. There's music playing in the background. Uh, there are all nationalities of patriots there. Uh, 
even to the point that there are a lot of uh, Chinese immigrants who are going around with clipboards trying to get people to sign uh, to stop the CCP. Here they've been in a China, in, in a communist country, and escaped from that experience. Now they're over here just terrified they're going to have to go through it again. So me and my buddy, I grabbed clipboards and went around because people were understanding them, helped them get those signed. Uh, uh, you know, y'all know the QAnon shaman, Jake. He's a friend of mine now, Chansley, and, this, and everything he's going through. First time I saw him, he's standing in a street corner with a loudspeaker reciting the freaking whole constitution on a little you know on a little battery operated microphone i mean people are selling hats and shirts it's like being at a carnival so so that's what people know that was the atmosphere we were in we were there to just have a good time uh everybody spoke trump spoke uh at the time trump spoke and he told everybody to go to the capitol most of the people there knew there was already permitted areas around the capitol it certainly wasn't a go attack people type situation uh, so yeah, so based on that, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead with your question, and I'll I'll get started. Sure. Here. No, and 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 by the way, I just want to say I'm happy that we got in some good policy information before I brought you on because I was just thinking, you know, I I really appreciate bringing you here because we're bringing the FBI on, and maybe some of their young folks will get a good education on some of the stuff we <laughs> talked about today. So you know, while they're listening in, but uh, so so my my, oh, my my point is, you heard it. And I'm trying to speak to your agenda and your motive, what you are trying to accomplish that day. So again, sure. you know, it's not so much my cup of tea, but I understand a lot of people like these get-togethers, and it's it's fun. It, there was no paramilitary-style, you know, Benghazi attack there. It was just guys having a good time, you know, like-minded people. Um, you know, I detect from what you're saying, it wasn't even like there was so much anger, even even though people were very upset about the, you know, about the election. You're having a good time, so you decide to walk over the Capitol. Why? Yeah, um, well, in my particular case, and I want to point this out, everybody there had their own reasons. We all we're all individuals. We're not this big demographic group of, of you know just everybody on, on on a mission, you know. And so, when my guys originally wanted to go, um, we had we had no idea there was going to be a walk to the Capitol. The amount of fact the guys I put up, we didn't have those in our possession. We didn't know we were just flying by our seat of our pants. But we went actually just to have fun. It was on my bucket list. I'd never been to the Capitol. I was upset, and to this day, I'm still upset and feel like the, the uh, elections were irregular. And supposedly, if I say that out loud, they're going to use it against me in a court of law. But you know what? The truth is the truth. And <laughs> that whole court of law thing's kind of tough on me too right now. But anyway, and, and, and I'm not shy to say it. I, you know, I believe in the truth. But anyway, so basically, um, when Trump finished speaking and he had said something about going to the Capitol, the truth of the matter is, this is how crazy this whole situation is. I looked at my two friends. I said, y'all want to walk to the Capitol? And one of them said, no, I've got to work tomorrow. I wouldn't mind just getting on back. And I said, well, you're right. And I said, my big plans for tomorrow are to go to the museums. I came here because on my bucket list. I've never been to D.C. before. I mean, there was no thought of anything bad or evil. It was just. And then the younger guy says, well, can we just walk past the Capitol and see what's happening? And so we both looked at him and said, yes. We started walking with the crowd. And as we're walking to the Capitol, which is, you know, what, two miles away, up Pennsylvania Avenue, everybody's walking with us. They're cheering. They're singing. People are telling jokes. 
Uh, we start walking next to a lady in a wheelchair, uh, this, this uh, invalid elderly lady being pushed by a nurse, uh, you know, uh, a lot of camaraderie. Every time we walked through an intersection, there were police officers at the intersection. I would leave the line to shake their hands and thank them for being there. There were police waving their arms, like, keep moving, keep moving. They're actually moving people towards the Capitol. They're not holding their hands up and saying, stop. Um, and uh, I want to back up for just a minute. What a very important part of this issue is the night before, Mayor Bowser, all these were permitted, stopped this deal, and several other rally people put this together. I think all their names are listed on the uh, on the guides I posted up today on Twitter at Big O Barnett. Uh, but uh, so nationally, there were the night before, there were tons of porta potties set up. There was food trucks supposed to be there. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not a million people. The night before, Mayor Bowser came in and removed all the porta potties. So here we are, hundreds of thousands of people in the middle of D.C. of the concrete jungle with nowhere to go to the bathroom. And so we were literally having to hold our flags up and turn our heads to let women go to the bathroom. People are hiding what bushes are there, whatever it took. And believe it or not, that still didn't dampen anybody's spirits. You look around and most everybody's still happy talking and buying T-shirts, having fun. Uh, they're just strictly to, 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 for the volume of the people that the government can see, hey, we're the people and we love our country and we're going to protest and we're going to use our First Amendment rights. So anyway, so we're walking to the Capitol. Everything's going fine. Like I said, police officers at intersections, some of them waving people and pointing towards the Capitol. Uh, as we arrive, uh, and I want to make this very clear, uh, at the Peace Statue, which is where basically the concrete leads into the west side of the Capitol in what they call the tunnel. Now, I didn't know any of this at the time. I'd never been there before. I'm just flying by my seat in my pants, having fun and walking. Um, at that point, all the people we're walking with, including families and this elderly lady in a wheelchair, broke off from us and was going down the concrete through the parking lots to the Capitol. We veered off to the left, and we ended up on the uh, on the uh, basically within the north uh, the northwest corner on the grass, which I now satirically call the grassy knoll. But we ended up up on the grass, and this concrete area that goes into the tunneling while the scaffolding is set up was down below us, just like a like a level down. And it was really crowded. People singing the national anthem, waving their uh, flags and everything. When we arrived, there were no barriers. We had heard now later that not only police, but some saboteurs or whoever they were removed all the barriers before most. Yeah. But right now there's literally, you're, you're having a good time. You're a country boy from Arkansas, never been to DC. So, Hey, there's a bunch of people. Yep. And, and, and it's funny, like, we talk a lot about illegal immigration at the border, you know, that there's a lot of military-aged men. What you're describing is this wasn't like a bunch of paramilitary 25-, 30-year-old men, you know. You weren't seeing it. You were seeing just families like you would see at a kind of a conservative get-together. Yeah, just, you know, just, just everybody. Just, it was, you know, it's like a festival. And so, anyway, at that point is where it went bad, though. And I'd like to point out, and you can look at these these guys I put up and, and keep this in your mind when I say this. The Capitol Police saw these guys, too. The, the people in control, the, the Speaker of the House, all these people that claim it was a big old surprise, they knew all this when they turned down the National Guard and made sure everything was wide open. And had the, the, as far as I'm yep. concerned, a lot of the younger Capitol, the lower-ranking Capitol Police officers, they were set up, too, you know? Yes, yes. So was, you, you were walking really... into a criminal trap almost at this point that you brought us to in your narration 
when you totally, sure. totally could have never imagined it, but they already they had erected I, I, barriers, um, but you didn't see them because they were taken yeah. down already. Um, right. All right. So, so is there anything you need to get out before we get to the moment that everyone's trying to understand how something like that turns violent? Yeah, because I'm, I'm an eyewitness. It's just shocking that I am one of the eyewitnesses to where everything went wrong and it's fixing to come up. And so, no, not really. All I can tell you is we were there to peacefully protest First Amendment. If you go and go to my, my Twitter page and look at the brochures I put up that were passed out to tons of people, even though I didn't have one at that time. I mean, it's two years now. I've got now, even though they won't, uh, McCarthy still hadn't kept his promise to release all the video, 41,000 hours to, to the public, and they shut down Tucker after he got 15 minutes out. And so obviously they're hiding everything, and it's just disgusting. It's time to release it. Uh, McCarthy, if you're listening in, you have the power. Do what you promised, sir. Do your job. We've had enough political crap going on. Let's get this done. So, but that being said, so we break off and we go up on the grass. It's not very crowded on the grass. I think I had to go to the bathroom again. I hid in some bushes, went to the bathroom, came back out. And I said, guys, we've got to figure out how to get back to our hotel. It was still peaceful. We weren't thinking anything. Uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start hearing these explosions and these tons of gas coming up in this crowd down below us. And this is a peaceful crowd. I know the little lady in the wheelchair just went down there. I saw families going down there. And I hear somebody screaming, he's on fire, he's on fire. So I turn around, and it's the Metro Police Department. And I've got some of these. I'll, I've already posted them, but I'll try to post them again now in the next day or two when I can find them because they won't release them to the public. But when you go to trial, all of a sudden it becomes public. So those of us have been to trial, we have some videos out there. But anyway, but getting back to those things, all of a sudden this crazy chaos is going on. People are screaming and running, and this guy's on fire and blah, blah, blah. Now, in the videos, I actually can show it shows you the close-ups of some of these, these I don't know what to call them, Gestapo police officers, uh, like Officer Thal. They're actually screaming curse words that people aren't even doing anything, and just grabs a stun gun and runs with this guy to speak with stand there and stuns him. And during all this year, other police cars are going, y'all need to stop. You're going to rile them up. You're going to cause a riot. You know, all this is out there. But anyway, that's not what I saw. I'll go back to what I saw, okay? I turn around and see all this chaos going on in, in a short distance, just 100 yards or less away. And after I see all this happen, these same cops come running up. And I need to back up here because this is very important. I'm a retired firefighter. You can tell I'm getting a little excited, so I'm going to calm down. I'm a retired firefighter out of Memphis. I retired early to get out of Memphis, as a matter of fact. But I've got police officers in my family. I live in a very small area of small outside of a small town in Arkansas. All the local police officers are friends of mine. I can say this in public because they'll back me up on it. You know, I have a relationship with the sheriff here. Um, yep. uh, some of Deputies, I built old trucks with. I do a lot of old antique trucks. I'm really involved in law yep. enforcement, right? So, so this is like so a zombie I, apocalypse nightmare that yeah, it, it, so before this point, you never thought ill of the cops. You had, you know, BLM, you know, all the riots the previous year, and, you know, your sentiments were all with them. And then suddenly you start seeing them, like, attacking. And you you didn't see what precipitated it? But they didn't attack all the BLM riders that burnt down Washington the year before. All that was a free ride. But here we are just innocently using our First Amendment rights. We're not touching anybody. Nothing. And all of a sudden, these officers are attacking. At this point, i got to tell you, I, went, I can't explain what happened to my brain. 
I mean, everything I believe about police officers and, and emergency services, everything I've grown up with went out the window. It's like PTSD kicked in, my emotions, I'm angry, I'm upset. Uh, I'm just, I'm just I, I, I'm, I, there's not even a word for me to explain, and I want the people out there to know this, there's not even a word to explain the implosions that went on in my mind. I mean, I've always been an empath, I've always helped people, I was a firefighter, you know, I can go on and on, but I'm on about that. So I look at Mark and Tony, and I said, what the heck is going on? And they're going, oh, my God, the police are attacking them. I mean, like I said, we're hearing this guy yell, there's people yelling, this guy's on fire. I didn't know this at that point, but the guy that was on fire and another gentleman that was in his 50s, at that point, both of them died right there in front of everybody. So are you referring to Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson? Uh, yeah, ben, yeah, Benjamin and Kevin, absolutely. So, so, so they died right there of heart attacks. And for two years, it was, oh, they just had heart attacks. No, they were attacked with flashbangs and tear gas, and one of them got set on fire, and that's what caused their heart attacks. It's purely murder as far as I'm concerned, and that's pretty brave of me to say. I haven't been sentenced yet, but I don't, it won't stop me from telling the truth because, you know, I'm a political prisoner, and, and, and I'll, I'll never not say that. I'll never bend. I'll always stand for my country. I'm a constitutionalist. I love my country. But anyway, so moving on. This same row of police officers come. I, I want to back up for a minute. Mark and Tony and I, all of us having backgrounds in military, emergency service, and everything. When we got there. There was no cell phone service. There was just too many people overloading the system. You couldn't communicate or anything. So Mark and Tony and I looked at each other and agreed. They know I'm the guy that's always wandering around and checking out the booths and looking at the crazy guy with the horn hat on and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And so they got me to agree, hello, we're both well over six feet. Our flags are very unusual. Uh, if you get lost, we'll wave our flags. If we don't see you at any given time for more than 10 minutes, we'll be waving our flags, look for our flags, and we'll get back together. That's a great, sounds like a plan. So basically these police come running up in, in formation. They look like, uh, they actually look like, this is so weird, Darth Vader's troops only in black instead of white. They're in full right gear and they're running in a row. And they run past me after I've just been through all this shock. Well, my natural impulse was is to turn on my phone and run beside them and film and just jump filming them. And at the time, I'm also telling them, what is wrong with you? Why are you attacking innocent people? Why are you doing this? What is, are you not patriots? Well, we're patriots. We're just trying to, I'm just, you know, I'm just rambling. Well, wait, wait. So, so Bigo, I just want to um, clarify at this moment when you're having these emotions and seeing these sites, you didn't see any smashing of glass and stuff going on at the door of the, no, of the lobby. No, none of that was going on. This was early. I want to say one thirty ish or so. And, uh, obviously you can't, everybody has a different perspective because that's a big old building and there's four sides to it and all that, you know? So whether any of that was going on in another area, I have no idea. But I think most of that happened later on after the police riled everybody up from the videos I've seen. And a lot of that, too, was people in black block, and Patriots don't wear black block, all black. Um, uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but because, I, I mean... Sure, sure. I mean, and, and these are the questions of, of who was a saboteur, who wasn't. But the point is, from just exactly what you saw... They've now identified at least over 20 FBI agents hidden in the crowd. they got videos of some of them waving people on, wearing Trump hats, getting involved, stirring people up. I mean, there's so much going on that so, they won't let out. So describe but, what this precipitated, the, the violence from the police, whether it was planned, whether it was they lost control, whether they were scared and over-responded, whatever it was. That's so, what I think. 
here, here's what I think, and then I'll go back to sure. my experiences. Here's how I honestly think. I think there's a, a, a reasonable amount of police officers there, and now there's some reports of this. There's a one police officer, I'm going to mention his name yet, but that beat Victoria uh, White severely in the tunnel and everything. And they released his name, and it turns out that he has so many complaints against him, even by the regular police, uh, the people of D.C., that he should have been fired a long time ago because he's abusive to everybody. He's just one of the bad cops. You know what I mean? So here's what I think happened. I think there's a reasonable of them that were just overwhelmed, caught off guard, set up by their own department and everybody else up there. I think there's another group that was in on it. I think just like with us, I think there's a little bit of everything going on. It, was it, it almost seems like there's a mix of the FBI pre-planned a lot of things. That seems very clear. But at the same time, yeah. whether the FBI also wanted this or it was a coincidence, there was a Gettysburg yeah. nature to this of th certain things just happened by accident because of miscommunication. So the question is, yeah. how did you wind up in the building and yeah. getting charged? Yeah, so anyway, here and it just leads right into it. I'm getting right into it now. I'm not sure how much time we got left. So I don't want to rush but and talk too fast, but I want to get it yeah, in. Yes, so we got about 15 so, minutes. If you could kind of like give okay. us the synopsis sure. of your sure. experience, just, what you did, what yeah. you know, versus what they're accusing yeah, you of doing. I go a lot longer if somebody wants to research and I get into really heavy detail. But basically, so I'm running beside these police officers. I'm pretty much just, I'm emotionally distraught is what it is. I don't know the word for it. I'm definitely not thinking clear, and I'm running beside him, forgetting all about Mark and Tony, and I turn the corner from the back of the building to the north side of the building, and I'm yelling at them, but they get ahead of me, so I slow down, take a breath. I'm 60-something years old, you know, and so now I'm on the uh, north side of the building, which is one of the short ends of the building, and I look over, and I and it's just natural instinct for me. This is, sounds so crazy. I did this after just being so mad at the cops. But I look over, and there's some bicycle racks, two or three of them all tangled up, and there's some cops breathing heavy, and I see some people moving away from them. So there's obviously been a scuffle. I don't know who the people moving away were. I don't know what to do with the cops. And one of them was a, was a young female cop, and you could tell they had this look on their face. And so I ran over to them. I said, are y'all okay? And I looked at the female cop. I said, come over here. I'll help you untangle these bicycle racks. Y'all need something to stand behind. Now, I don't know I did that. It's my natural instinct. I'm Here I am watching the cops attack people. And I'm still trying to help the cops because I'm just, my, my mind just, everything's happening so fast. So once that happens, I turn around and realize I've lost Mark and Tony. I don't know if they followed me. I don't know where they are. So I move, this is crazy thing in the world here. So I move around now in the west side is the tunnel, the scaffolding, where apparently later in the day things got really bad. The cops had started fighting the people, and I didn't realize it, but that fight turned into a real fight later on in the day. Uh, more people died. Roseanne Bullen got uh, uh, basically beat to death while she's unconscious by a female cop. And we have all these names. It's just too much to go into right sure. now. But anyway, and that was later in the tunnel. And, of course, Jake uh, Jacob Lane, who's still in prison, actually rescued tried to rescue her, and uh, Benjamin Phillips, who's a young black patriot, is like 20 years old, Jake was able to rescue him and get him saved, and he tells his story about laying there holding Roseanne Bullard's hands while the cop beat her to death, but they tried to claim she was a drug overdose, but that's not my story. So, anyway, so I run around to the front of the building, and it was so weird. I get to the east side after watching this friggin' unbelievable just you had a good word for it a minute. A zombie apocalypse. Uh, you know, yeah, apocalypse. apocalypse. So you moved from the west to the east. And when I get to the east, 
it's like a friggin' it's like being at Woodstock. There's girls dancing on top of the police vehicles. There's music playing. Police officers are hugging people on one corner. Yeah. There might be a little. In other words, the was violence just, was in the West. Yeah, the violence was in the West. Now there was a little bit of violence in the East, but I think it was more like there's always going to be your bad apples on both sides, you know. So I think it was little scuffles like between some of the officers that started crap and probably even some protesters. There's not everybody innocent in every situation. Of you course. know what I mean? It's just too hard to figure it all out, but it's obviously with a trap and a setup and a horrible thing to happen for peace-loving First Amendment rights patriots. So anyway, I get around to that side, and I'm going, how the heck am I going to find Mark and Tony? And uh, so there's the stairs. There's people everywhere. The stairs are full of people. And I thought, well, I'm going to push my way up the stairs and turn around and look for them waving their flags. We can go home. And I've really got to go to the bathroom at this point. You know, it's just, it's just all these, it's like weird, normal things going through my head in the middle of this twilight zone. I, it's hard to know how your mind's going to work. So I get up pretty close to the top of the stairs. Uh, I sent you a video of this yesterday. I get up pretty close to the top of the stairs. I turn around and start looking for Mark and Tony. And I don't know why, right when I did that, I turned my video back on and started filming. And at that point, I mean, I wasn't up, to, up on those stairs very long at all. I started hearing people at the bottom yelling, push, push, push. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of people on the stairs. There's thousands of people behind them. And it was like being in a mosh pit. And uh, I'll post that up later on Twitter, too. Uh, it's, a, it's a double screenshot of me getting pushed in, hollering, we have to go in. We have no choice. You see me hit the floor. I almost get trampled to death. And uh, so, but anyway, so, I so, 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 so right off the bat, right off the bat, I just want to freeze frame. Obviously, there is a criminal statute to, you know, avoid a medical a metal detector, but that's usually someone trying to sneak in. Here, there was no yeah. <laughs> the security was gone. Obviously, you were pushed in, <laughs> so right away there's no criminal yeah. intent there, and it's plain as day. Uh, well, yeah, I, I didn't want to go in that place. I had no business in there. You know what I mean? But it's so weird because then you know, your emotions going everywhere. So once I do get pushed in. It's like you're in it's, you're in the twilight zone. You get pushed in. All these people are coming behind you. And and my prosecution tried to argue this. Why didn't you turn around and go back out? If you see this video, thousands, hundreds, and hundreds of people <laughs> get pushed through the door. How the hell am I going back out? It's just it's insanity. You know what I mean? So well, once also, I got also, in, I, I just want to freeze frame right now. Everyone views, oh my gosh, did you go in the building? Like as if your own people's house is like is like breaking into a medieval castle or something. You, in your brain, in retrospect, we're now like, man, yeah, I'll, I'll avoid that thing. Now we know. Yeah, but, but, but at the time, no one thought bit. your own government would, would come after you for that. These people are our servants. That's our building, okay? And I didn't choose to go in. But when we, if you want to really get on the talk on another show about we the people and our government, what we own and what we have and the, their servants, but that's been turned around backwards. We can have that conversation. Sure, sure. So but anyway, how did you wind up in Pelosi's office? So basically, I went looking for a restroom. This is a short version because I know we're going to run out of time. I went looking for a restroom. Uh, I walked down this hallway, and the doors were locked. So I came back out the hallway, and I saw an open room. So I walked in that open room, and uh, there was two desks there. Uh, I'm sure some people on the show, and I'm not going to get into all this, would so know who Megan Paradise is. If you don't look her up, it's pretty yeah. shocking. Yeah, there was anyway, another person so in Pelosi's walked, office that was never arrested, but yeah, we'll leave it yeah, at that. Yeah. It's a big cover-up. Anyway, they're like Ray Epps. But anyway, uh, 
So I walk in there, and there's this girl. I don't know who she is, sitting at this desk, and there's a desk next to her. So I sit down at that desk just to get out of the crowd. I ask her, do you know where a restroom is? Another guy walked in looking around like he was going to break something. I looked at him. I said, look, dude, I don't know why you're in here, but don't break anything. This is our house. We're mad at the government, but we're certainly not mad at this building or the furniture. He said, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. He walks back out. Um, I asked her, do you know where a restroom is? She goes, no, I couldn't find one either. I said, well, I guess I'm going to get up and go look. So I walked out. I looked to the left, and the door that was previously locked. Now, that was part of uh, Pelosi's office suite, but not the one I ended up in. Um, so I walked back out. I looked down the hall. Now that door is open. I don't know why. I thought, well, maybe that's where the restrooms are. I walk in there. I walk up to this desk. All of a sudden, these two reporters from API, who are AP, who are they are, walk in the other direction with all the cameras on. Right about the same time, we arrive at the same time. Uh, I look down, and I about the time, same time they say it, they say, "Do you know whose office you're in?" I said, "No." And I looked down at that point, saw the little thing there. It said something about Nancy Pelosi. And I laughed. And I said, "Well, I guess I do now." And they said, "Yeah." And we had a quick little conversation. They asked me my name. I'm not thinking. I don't think I've done anything wrong. I give my name, you know, my age, my address, what I do, you know, all that little stuff they ask them like they're interviewing. And they said, well, you mind if we take your picture? And I said, no. I said, well, why don't you down, make yourself comfortable that natural? I did. And the rest is history. So, so you're saying you had no intent of you were looking for a bathroom. They didn't have bathrooms all that that, that day. You were pushed in. and. Yeah. And well, I'm also going to be looking for a way out eventually, but it, it so much changed after the death. There's a whole other story after sitting at the so, death. So, and I was in charge from sitting at the death. So I want to make it but clear. So, so the desk is not the main charge. So you're being charged with two, 231A3, obstructing a police officer. Why? Oh, my God. That's the big one here. This is ridiculous. Um, after the desk, a police officer walked in and asked me to leave. Which I did. But I got in the hall and I will realize in that picture you'll see a flag laying on a credenza behind me. Yes. That's my flag. It was given to me by a state senator. It was on the back of my truck when I was doing a big back to blue rally here raising money for body cams. <laughs> the irony. That flag, meant a lot. that flag meant a lot to me. So when I got in the hall and realized I'd forgotten my flag and keeping my emotional state. I'm still in this emotional state. Sure. And, you know, I don't know what it's like I'm, I've seen I've seen a zombie apocalypse. I've seen Woodstock. I've seen I mean it's just, I've been shoved into a building. <laughs> I didn't tell you. Well, I got shoved into the building and got knocked to the floor where my hand got cut. And so when I got in that office and found that desk, I picked up an empty envelope that had her name on it. And I'm just curious. I just picked it up to look at it. And I realized I bled on it. So uh, I put a quarter on her desk to pay for it. Actually, twenty seven cents. And, of course, some people know my famous, and I was mad. But anyway, I put a quarter on the desk and stuck the envelope in my pocket, thinking I can't leave my blood here. It's a biohazard. And uh, so I'm a firefighter, retired EMT. And so anyway, uh, I go out in the hall. I realize I forgot my flag. I turn around. Nobody's around. I turn around to get it. About the time I'm almost to it, an officer sticks her head back in and says, Sir, you were told to leave. I said, Well, I just want to. And, and before I could say anything, she goes, No, you got to leave now. So did I run get my flag? No, I left it. I obeyed her again, went out the door. Okay. Still didn't obstruct an officer. They direct me to the uh, rotunda. I have to go through a police line. A police officer stand there at the rotunda. Uh, I go out. I'm standing there talking to the police officers, having a regular conversation at first. And I looked at one of them and said, hey, man, would you go get my flag? It's really important to me. I told him the story, where it came from. I said, and nobody's really doing anything. There's no fights in Rotunda like they claimed and all that. There's people wandering around with their cameras, uh, like tourists at that point. I said, look, there's 20 of you here. Would somebody just go get my, my flag? 
Well, he refused me again, but he said, in a minute, in a minute. Well, I don't know why, but I kicked in, and I started. This had nothing to do with anything, and it's still a First Amendment right, so I don't mind telling the truth. Sure. I started, yep, get me my flag. Get me my explicit, uh, bad word flag. Get me my bad word flag. Yeah, so the big thing <laughs> is you used the F word when you said, get me my flag. Yeah, um, yeah I, did, I just wanted my flag. I wasn't even thinking straight, but it was a First Amendment right. Well, they twisted this whole thing into this civil disorder charge yes. where, I inter- where I interrupted interstate commerce. And because of my actions, uh, uh, apparently there's a heart store five miles away that lost money. It got, the, the whole thing just got bizarre. Sure. You know part of this one. So, so they concocted about- a charge of obstructing oh, w- without oh. any violence for the first time. Well, here's there's- the worst part. I only had three felonies and, and four missed only. Only. I had three felonies and four misdemeanors against me that we had two years to prep for, right? Five days before my trial, they threw this catch-all charge on that we're talking about now just to make sure they got me. Yep. And then they wouldn't give us a continuous to prepare for the charge. And, of course, we don't have to get in the fact that my trial was in D.C. It was all 97% you know, liberal uh, Biden voters yep. on the jury. But, but, but I, I want to we, we have to save the trial for for another time. I yeah, think that was a day. good a good sense of what it was, because I always wondered. I always when I first thought I knew you never deserved this, but I thought you were kind of like a goofy guy. Like, what are you doing there? But now it's again at each stage. It was an accident. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, and but not only, you know, were you, you know, are you facing these charges? You were in the gulag for almost four months pre-trial i want to get out one thing i one thing that's very very important that people might not know um i want you to explain and i know we're skipping some steps and i know it's painful because you want to tell your whole story but you you go back to arkansas and you didn't know they already uh designated you as a tier one terrorist um but you actually turned yourself in and appeared before a federal Arkansas judge. Could you describe what happened there? Sure, sure. And we're skipping something we'll talk about later. What actually happened? When I returned to Arkansas, uh, on the way, of course, I found out I was being looked for. They'd already designated me a tier one domestic terrorist, knowing nothing about me other than the fact that this guy had a seat on, on the desk. That's all. Suddenly, I'm on the same scale as uh, Osama bin Laden, according to them. Uh, grocers out, man hunts, blah, blah, blah. But what nobody knows is, on my ride home, the sh- local sheriff who I know here called my wife to a friend and said, hey, the FBI wants Richard to turn himself in when he gets home. And so I sent the word back to the sheriff, and I'm telling the short story. We'll tell the long story later. I sent the word back, sure, no problem. I didn't realize they were looking for me. I said, as soon as I get there, I'll give you a call, and uh, I'll do whatever they want me to do. So, of course, it's a long drive. And uh, I tried to drive straight through, so by the time I got here, I'd been awake about 72 hours. And it was late at night, and uh, I called the sheriff back, and I said, look, would you ask the FBI if I can turn myself in in the morning? Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, I'm still wearing the same clothes I've been wearing for days. I want to give my wife a hug and tell her goodbye and try to give her some support. Uh, would it be okay if I was coming in the morning? So he called the FBI. The FBI said, fine. They want to be there at 10 o'clock the next morning. I was there at 9.57. Uh, with my wife, turned myself in. Uh, they transported me to Washington County, where the federal courthouse is, which is the next county over. Uh, I think this was, I don't know what day it was, but I don't know, a few days later. Uh, and they didn't have facilities for me there, because they left me in the drunk tank the whole time, so 
<laughs> this is a side story for days. I had to listen to every drunk in Washington County coming in and cry and keep me awake all night. But anyway, uh, so I finally got a hearing. Uh, I had an attorney already hired, and my hearing was late on a Friday afternoon. And so in the hearing, the Western District judge, who has full powers here, she's a, she's a federal judge, Western District, in charge of the whole Western District, she hears us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mr. Barnett's a pillar of his community. He gives. He does nothing wrong. He has no criminal record. Uh, Mr. Barnett, no bail. You can go home in the morning. You will be getting an ankle bracelet. So that was going to be Saturday morning, right? My wife's all excited. She's recovering from a heart attack already. So we got all that going on. Uh, she uh, uh, basically, the next morning, she shows up to pick me up in jail. And unbeknownst to me, because I haven't seen her yet, and I'm in jail, the guards in the jail come in, and they were almost crying. They're going, Mr. Barnett, you won't believe this. In the middle of the night last night, after work hours on a Friday evening, the prosecutors went back electronically to uh, the chief judge in D.C. and overruled there. They can put a stay on you, and instead of going home this morning, you're getting shipped to the Correctional Institute uh, a Transport Center in, uh, 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 in Oklahoma, Cimarron, and you're going to be there for about a week or so, and you're headed to D.C. You're, you're, you're done. Wow! Wow! And 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 the rest is history. All over the weekend, because, and their argument was that I did not have a, 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 a an attorney present. The attorney was right there. Your attorney was right there, it's but I want people to understand that the organic reaction. See, everyone, most people didn't hear about January sixth until the lies. But that was the organic action of a federal judge. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the charges. I'm looking at the nature of the guy. That's what you would, that's you would, you, you would do. And now that we understand the before, during, after, we now understand this whole thing was a mixture of a setup and misconduct and misunderstanding with, with Capitol Police. And I just want to end with this. You know, we had the individual in Minnesota who torched the police station to the ground. There's no if ends, or buts. There's no, like, yeah. there's no ways that that, that was a, cir- a circumstance. The judge said oh, you're fundamentally yeah. a good person. I understand what you're doing. Gave him three years. He was not held pretrial. You were held pretrial four years, beaten, and now you're facing four, yeah. f- four months. Yeah. Now you're facing more time. I'm so sorry to cut this short, but we're out of time. Again, at no, Vigo... At Big O Barnett yep. on Twitter, um, givesendgo.com slash Richard Barnett to help him. This is a very human story, but it also is emblematic of what happened that day, what likely was orchestrated, what happened afterwards, but what is still happening to this day. Justice must be served. Uh, Mr. Barnett, you're welcome back. We'll, we'll pick it up from the DC Gulag and some other details in a part two very soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Daniel. People out there, love your country. Just love your country. Thank you. Amen. Take care. Anyway, there is so much to talk about. I don't have time for post analysis here, but as you can tell, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy loves his country. I mean, more than I do. And and that's what a lot of them really were all about. And what you can tell is that from head to toe, they know this. They know this. They're not stupid what you think. They, they think he's some sort of threat. No, they know it. And even in the worst look at what he did, there's evidence to back up everything he's saying, but it didn't matter to that jury. 
It didn't. That is what is so scary. In America, it used to be, yeah, you try people in the court of public opinion, but then these are the type type of totality of circumstance facts that come out in a trial, and a jury is like, oh, okay. I mean, so this ranges from nothing to one minor misdemeanor, not you know, ten years in prison, and and being treated like a domestic terrorist, someone that's held pre-trial for four months. No, this is the Fourth Reich. And just like the Third Reich had a Reichstag moment to impel and catalyze that that abuse of power and that, that new Reich, that new regime, so too with this. We need states to start interposing. The same way we'd want them to interpose if, if Iran invaded our country. It's that bad. It is that bad. There is no equality under the law. There is no justice. Um, heck, even Elizabeth Warren spoke out a couple months later against the solitary confinement, something Donald Trump never did. It's not even the money that bothers me that he didn't donate until he gave a you know token thing two years later. It's it's that he didn't give voice, give voice. You know, a couple months you want to lie low. I understand that, but beyond that, it became very clear. And again, it's the same thing. I don't, I don't. You know, same thing with COVID. Same thing with a lot of things. I don't mind if you panic, did something wrong the first day, but that you doubled and tripled down. But we'll we'll broach that another day. Let me know if you have comments, questions, or concerns. You have questions for Big O. You know, he's he's facing life and death, but he's willing to talk about it. And uh, I wa- certainly want to want to give give voice to that. It's much more than just about him. It's about all of us. Uh, so Daniel Horowitz at Startmail is the email. At RM Conservative is the Twitter. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.